Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. This is the podcast that's all about mental health. I'm your host, creator, and editor of the podcast, Crystal Martinez Acosta. I'm a licensed professional counselor and board-certified mental health therapist. I'm currently practicing, living, working, and playing in El Paso, Texas. This episode contains a very special interview with a person who I admire very much. Richard Salcido is an LPC supervisor who also lives, works, and plays in El Paso, Texas. He was the supervisor who helped me launch my career after graduate school and oversaw my completion of 3,000 hours of therapy practice to become fully licensed. He has trained many interns over the years and has helped shape the next generation of therapists. He's been a therapist since the 1970s and has a great perspective on mind and body health. In this episode, he gives us information on the five domains of wellness or healthy living. Richard will walk us through each domain, giving us tips and things to try along the way. Richard Salcido is the Executive Director of Family Service El Paso and has been with the agency since 1984. Family Service is a local mental health clinic in El Paso, Texas that offers mental health care for the poor and disadvantaged. Here's what he has to say about his career at Family Service El Paso. Our purpose in the community is to create access to mental health services to anyone regardless of ability to pay. So that's what we stand for. We stand for making therapy affordable to anyone and, and, and having it remain there. They served over 2,700 people in 2017. They provided 15,000 plus counseling sessions. They are a staple in the community for many professional interns and for clients alike. Richard said he knew that he wanted to be in the helping profession since the age of 12. I coached Little League uh, teams at the age of 12. I was a scoutmaster at the age of 14, and I was in charge of youth groups. Social work was his initial profession of choice. I actually wanted to become a social worker, but at that time there was a social work school in El Paso, and it's a long story, but all my attempts to become a social worker didn't work out. So the next big thing was to become a therapist. And uh, that, that's what I've done my entire career. In 1979, he was a counselor for perpetrators of domestic violence. This was at the Center Against Family Violence in El Paso. Oh, I worked for 18 months with, with, uh, with the Center Against Family Violence. And I told you about my attempts to become a social worker. I actually had enrolled at Our Lady of Our Lake in San Antonio to become a social worker. And two weeks before leaving, I got a, a notice from the school that they no longer had the stipend available uh, that was going to help pay for my college. He even went on to join the military and signed up to be a social worker, but yet again, his attempts were thwarted. I, I actually, when I joined the Army mm -hmm. in 1972, okay. I signed up to be a social worker. Mm -hmm. Well, as the Army is known for, for, for doing, they, they, they didn't keep their promise to make me a social worker and they make me a medic instead. UT Austin became a, began a program here in El Paso and uh, I applied, I was accepted. And again, one week before my cohort started, uh, 
I got a letter saying, uh, you've been accepted, uh, but there's not enough qualified students this year, so your cohort begins next year. Oh and so this time I'm getting old, you know, and my children are growing, yeah. and I need to make more money, so that's when I enrolled in the Counseling and Guidance Program at Utah. When that last attempt to complete his MSW on the weekends fell through, he concluded that God works in mysterious ways and had a different plan for him. The executive director position has been held by Richard since 1996. It's interesting to think about how he's one of the few LPCs in town to be an executive director of a clinic. Executive director positions are typically held by licensed clinical social workers or licensed master social workers. Yeah, there, there's yeah. no training for LPCs to become administrators. So there you have it. That's how Richard landed where he landed. And after talking a little bit more about his extensive clinical experience, we began talking about the ingredients for the secret sauce of wellness. He calls these easy to remember and totally doable activities the five domains of healthy living. It's pretty clear that he has a passion for healthy living. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if people follow this five domains of healthy living, mm -hmm. no matter they're coming here for depression or anxiety or serious mental illness, if they follow this five domains, they'll be happier. Mm -hmm. And they'll be less depressed and less anxious. And another thing about it is when we ask people to do this, they, the feedback from them is, I feel that I'm doing something to get better. These domains are the pathway to a happier life for clients with mental illness and for those who need to be, quote-unquote, behaviorally activated. This means clients take an active, participating role in their own treatment. Behavioral activation is a concept used in therapy to help clients or patients with depression, mostly, According to TherapistAid.com, the behavioral activation model suggests that negative life events such as grief, trauma, daily stressors, or a genetic predisposition to depression can lead to a person having too little positive reinforcement. Additionally, a person might turn to unhealthy behaviors like drug use, sleeping in late into the afternoon, social withdrawal, etc. in an attempt to avoid the negative feelings. So these negative behaviors can ultimately provide some relief, but will result in more negative outcomes and worsening depression. When using behavioral activation, a clinician intervenes in two primary ways. They increase the amount of positive reinforcement a person experiences, and they end negative behavior patterns that cause depression to worsen. Replacing negative avoidant behaviors with new rewarding behaviors increases a person's positive reinforcement, and it reduces negative reinforcement. In summary, behavioral activation shifts away from cognitions and feelings to focus on changing a client's behavior and their environment. On to the five domains. The first domain of healthy living is sleep, and there's an objective. It's for them to sleep seven to eight hours. No more, no less. Richard goes on to say that People who have severe mental illness just don't sleep well. We know that people who have schizophrenia, PTSD, and or depression sleep anywhere from about three to four hours per night on average. So to combat sleep disturbances, 
Richard recommends something called sleep hygiene to his clients. Let's find out why you're not sleeping, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and let's find out how you can sleep more. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we'll talk about uh, what time do you go to sleep, okay? What do you do before you go to sleep? One step to begin sleep hygiene is to ask what the person is doing right before they sleep. For example, are they using electronics right before bed? Those emit blue light that make our brains think that it's time to wake up. Or we ask, what is the setup for the bedroom like? The bedroom tells you, tells the brain, this is where I sleep. This mm. is not where I play video games. This is not where I watch TV. We need to make sure that our bedrooms really do send that message that we need to be sleeping. A nice, cool room that's very dark without any sound or light coming from anywhere. We should also be helping clients do the math. If you need 7 to 8 hours of sleep and you need to wake up at 7 a.m., you should probably fall asleep at 10 or 11 p.m. Creating these habits is so important for sleep hygiene because if you go to bed at the same time every night, you'll start to fall asleep more quickly and your brain will automatically begin to cue you that it's time for mimis or sleep. The other avenues are explored with clients, including natural sleep aids and other medications. And so, again, we explore different avenues. So we, we talk about, uh, you know, chamomile. Us Hispanics are used to our grandma saying, uh, toma manzanilla, which mm -hmm. is chamomile, uh, to calm down. A study done in Sweden, not Mexico, Sweden, found that chamomile or manzanilla is just as effective or more effective than anti-anxiety pills or sleep aids to help folks fall asleep. The great thing about chamomile is that it's pretty widely available over the counter and relatively inexpensive. And so again, you know, we go through the protocols of, of, of our sleep hygiene and help people sleep. Mm -hmm. There's a little technique that we tell people, for example, uh, if you find yourself awake at three o'clock in the morning and you're uh, thinking about something that you just can't get out of your mind, try thinking backwards by three uh, from 100 to zero. Mm -hmm. And so 97, 94, 91, 88. And so it, it takes some thinking, it takes some consciousness. Counting backwards distracts you from what you're fixated on or obsessing over at the time. And bada bing, bada boom, you fall into a light REM sleep. Sleep is how the brain heals from concussions, how we consolidate information, regenerate cells. So sleep is quite important. And the first thing Richard focuses on with his clients who are recovering from mental illness. Recovery is a term that we like to use versus healed or done with treatment. You know, recovery implies that you're recovering from something and you're never fully recovered in mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so you need to continue to work on your recovery. And so you need to set up patterns for you to continue to sleep well the rest of your life. In recovery of mental illness, these domains should be personalized. Sharing sleep disturbances with your psychiatrist or prescriber can prompt them to give you a sleep aid if you need it. Richard emphasizes that you should do what works for you. Let's move on to the second domain of healthy living. So the second domain is what we call 
uh, movement. Okay. Okay. And so it's uh, getting the body to move at least 10 minutes a day, uh, preferably 30 minutes a day. But we start slow with people. These 10 to 15 to even 5 minutes a day can be at the gym. Be it riding your bicycle, be it walking your dog, be it going jogging, you know, whatever you're physically able to do. Movement is the term of choice here because the word exercise can turn people off. And movement is beneficial in many, many ways, the most obvious being the physical benefits to your body structure. Your heart beats more steadily, you're at a healthier body weight, you get your blood flowing, you feel better. If you're a jogger and, and, and you run, you're going to live longer and you're less susceptible to catching, getting cancer and other diseases. And we don't even know why, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there's a theory that maybe it's the panting of you after you stop running that wards off diseases. We don't know why, but we know that it's beneficial to your body. When you work out, you repeat many behaviors in succession. For example, if you're walking, your brain is constantly sending signals to your legs to lift, stride, roll your foot. Lift, stride, roll your foot. Lift, stride, roll your foot. Or when lifting weights, you curl your wrist to touch your shoulder by bending your elbow and repeat a few times in succession. That repetitive behavior helps your brain. So it's not just the physical, it's also good for the mental. Yeah. It's also a good distressor. Uh, When you're in a bad mood and you go for a run, Mm -hmm. you feel better after that run. Yeah. And so, again, we challenge clients to five to 10 minutes a day, we need you to move your, your, your body. And then when we can build on it, let's build on it. I was making a presentation to Valar uh, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was doing this five domains, and for a lot of people there in wheelchairs, and, and, and some were quadriplegics, and they can't go for walks. And so I said, what can you do physically? If your body is not fully able, you may have some difficulty, but moving the parts of your body that you are able to is healthy making small circles with hands, fingers, feet, ankles, because whoever you are, that type of repetition helps your brain. Richard tells therapists in training that these domains, if followed as prescribed, can change lives. You guarantee them that if you do this five domains, you're going to get better. And it's been proven throughout the world that if you do these five things, you're going to feel better emotionally and physically mm-hmm. and so sell it you got to sell it yeah okay that's one part of it the second part of it it's not enough to just talk about it mm-hmm. you can ask people to do it and they might do it for a day or two they might even do it for a week or two mm-hmm. but unless you're holding them accountable and unless they're holding themselves accountable they, they, they're, 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 they're not they're going to stop doing it. That's true. <laughs> yes. Okay. So how many yeah. people go on a diet at the beginning of the year and then two weeks later they're not doing it, it anymore? The, okay? the gym's empty well, like uh, January 15th. Using behavioral activation sheets, clients can map out their days. What time are you going to go to bed? What time are you going to get up? What time are you going to exercise? What time are you going to eat? What time are you going to take a bath? What time are you going to socialize? And we can have clients stay accountable in a variety of ways. 
And so you can do it in a variety of ways. You could do it in a calendar. You can do it in a journal. But you want them to be mindful and actively uh, involved in making sure that they do these things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's habits. We have good habits and we have bad habits. Yes. And bad habits are so easy to do. Why are they easy to do? Because you've been doing them all your life, okay? You've had a lot of practice. New habits are so hard to do because Mm -hmm. they take a lot of work. They take a lot of consciousness, a lot of mindness. And it's Mm -hmm. so easy to just forget about it and not do it. Therapists play a very important role with reinforcement and being a client's cheerleader. A lot of reinforcement. Are you doing it? Are you feeling better? Is it working? Uh, We both agreed that one hour per week with a therapist is not enough to see changes, but it's the minutes, seconds, and hours in between sessions where we see real change in clients. All day, every day, people should be using the five domains. The third domain is nutrition. We know that if we eat better, we feel better. It's hard to do because of the lifelong reinforcement of bad habits. Sometimes we've been eating tacos since the day we were born. Yeah. And, and, and we've been eating uh, enchiladas and, and we've been drinking beer since we turned 18. And we've been doing things that are not good for our health, the mental health or for our physical health. Right. And so how can we do this better? And so you do some psychoeducation on, on nutrition mm-hmm. and what are the good foods uh, what are the bad foods, and how can you eat healthier? Mm. And I'm not talking about going on a diet. I'm just talking about eating healthier. And so we talk about eating uh, in moderation, you know, not, not too little, not too much. We're talking about cutting out sugary drinks, which is not good for you in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Eliminating alcohol and managing diabetes are also part of correcting these habits. Diabetes among the Hispanic population, and particularly in the borderland, is of epidemic proportions. And so we have to address what is not good for diabetes and what is good for diabetes. Yes. And so what are we going to eat? And so it starts at an individual level, but we also expand it to you know, the family. What are you cooking for your children? Mm-hmm. Okay, what are you cooking for your husband? And how much food are you giving them? And you know, do you let them drink Cokes or do you have them drink water? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just a lot of mindfulness as to what are we putting into our body. What can make this difficult for some people is that junk food or fast food seems less expensive. Very recently, I read an article about how it's actually almost the same cost to mm-hmm. cook healthy versus mm-hmm. buying the cheap stuff. Yes. Because yes. ultimately, yes. it all balances out. Uh-huh. You eat less. Right. You get higher quality food, so you're fuller, so you yes. don't have to eat more of it. So right. I think teaching people that, okay, there is a way to do it, mm-hmm. even on a budget. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and you're right. It can be so much less expensive. It really yeah, can. It, 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 it really can. So an avocado is less expensive than a bag of Cheetos. That's true. Right? Right. And yeah. it has more nutritional value, yes. the avocado. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, when you put it that way, it seems like common sense, right? In Hispanic Latino culture, food is everywhere. At funerals, at parties, at weddings, when someone is sad, when we're happy. This is why it's important for people in our culture to understand the power of collective influence. With most humans, food can be comforting. 
We go back to what we're familiar with in times of stress. Grandma's food, comida hecha en casa, whatever our moms made. So the best way to handle these cravings is moderation. Yeah, I don't have it every day, three times a day. Right, okay? exactly. So yeah. when you feel like going to Chico's Tacos, you know, get but your fix ahead. of Chico Tacos, mm-hmm. right? Don't say never. Just say, you know, not every day. Not every day. You know, day. it's not part of my diet. It's not part of my routine. You know, once in a while. Okay, moving along. Domain number four is social interaction. In the U.S., loneliness is an epidemic. Society is aging. There's mm-hmm. more older people, and older people, their siblings die, their parents die, uh, their children move away, and so there's a lot of isolation in El Paso. You have a lot of people that immigrated from Mexico, that are separated from the Mexico, from their kinship in, in, in Mexico, right. and so they're very isolated as well. And so we see a lot of isolation here at Family Service. So the question is. How can we get people connected? Socializing starts at home. People usually have a built-in social network within their households. But how often do we interact? Do we eat together, walk together, pray together, sit on the porch together? When I talk about isolation with my clients, what I usually hear is that everyone is in their own room with their own personal electronics on TV, eating in their own rooms. But what would happen if you sat four people together at a table without electronics or distractions? They'll probably talk to each other. So clinicians should assign one social activity at a time. One walk at the park together, one moment watering the grass together, anything that will get them to start becoming more connected. Socialization starts at home. Okay. Then from there, where else can you socialize? If you have young kids, well, you can move, you can meet other parents when you get involved at the school, okay? Mm -hmm. Another place to connect is at church, Mm -hmm. okay? If you go to church, you're going to meet other other families, right? okay? Uh, If you work, you're going to have peers at work, so that's where you can meet uh, folks as well, Yeah. okay? And then, of course, there's extended families. You know, there's cousins, there's siblings. You know, there's all high school friends. Richard discloses that there was a time in his own life where he was living alone and had a need to be around other people. I've never been a gym rat, but I would go to the gym just to be around people. Mm-hmm. And that was helpful to me. Yeah. And, uh, and so we need to be around others. And so sometimes when you have people with social anxiety, the last thing they want to do is to be around others. Mm-hmm. And so part of your treatment is in vivo exposure. Okay, I want you to go to McDonald's and, and say uh, hi to the clerk and say, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, go to Walmart and there's a Walmart greeter and, you know, drum up a short, brief conversation with a Walmart greeter. He's getting paid to be nice to you. Yeah, okay? you, can't so, you can't fail at this. You can't fail at this. So, so you, you want to challenge them mm-hmm. to get out there and interact with other people. We talk about how here in El Paso, Texas, there's something called the El Paso Scene. It's a little newspaper, and it has listings for tons of free activities. There's hiking groups. We have great mountains here. And walking groups. There are many organic ways that surround clients every day where they can have a connection. Work, home, church, neighborhoods. No extravagant party planning needed. 
These are such great tips so far, right? So here we go with the final and fifth domain of healthy living. The five is scheduling pleasurable activities. Okay. Scheduling pleasurable activities. Yes. Okay. And, and when I started using pleasure, uh, scheduling pleasurable activities, I, I would have people go places to do them. But then a therapist told me, well, why do they have to go places? They can schedule pleasurable activities every day at home. Okay. And so right, the yeah. point is schedule to do something that you like to do. The TV show, This Is Us, is Richard's scheduled pleasurable activity of choice. He schedules every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to watch the show. But of course, you can choose anything you like to do. But here's the key. You actually place it in your calendar and make a commitment to do the activity. Let's schedule that we're going to play Monopoly on Wednesday nights, okay? Let's schedule that we're going to grill on Friday nights. Let's, let's schedule to do something that's pleasurable mm-hmm. for us. And again, you start at home. And then if you want to schedule going out, you can do that too. Yeah. You know, let's schedule to go on a hike. Let's schedule to go to a movie. Let's schedule to go to the park. Let's schedule to go to uh, Alfresco Friday, like tonight. Uh, that's free oh, that's downtown. Yeah. Uh, so scheduling a pleasurable activity. Pleasurable activities are a vital part of the five domains of healthy living because you have to enjoy life. Many clients who seek mental health services might be lonely, isolated, with not a lot of happiness or enjoyment as a part of their lives. And sometimes it almost looks hopeless. I tell the therapist, how can you improve their quality of life? Mm-hmm. What little thing could they do that they'll be happier? Even coming here and talking to the therapist, that might be the only human contact all week long, improves their quality of life. Yes. Okay, so what else can we do to improve their quality of life? Mm-hmm. And so if we have somebody schedule something, mm-hmm. they're more likely to do it. True. So yes. if you tell them, do something pleasurable this week, okay, mm-hmm. sure. But remember that scheduling, scheduling, scheduling the pleasurable activity is super important and super effective. Studies show that if you schedule an activity, you're more likely to do it and go through with it. It's a commitment and it will help therapists keep others accountable. It's also important for therapists to praise every single effort and shape clients' behaviors. Shaping can create habits. When asked how long people take, in general, to create these habits in the five domains of healthy living. It takes a while because you're going to have people that will stop doing it. And so, you know, we're not judgmental. Let's, let's go back. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. How is it helpful? Okay. And so one of the things that we do here at Family Service that any therapist can do is to, to track. Tracking is important. And Richard says that his therapists at Family Service use the Outcome Readiness Scale every week with a client. It asks how the client's week was on a scale of 1 to 10 on a personal level, an interpersonal level, a social level, and overall. So lowest score being 4, highest score being 40. And so we'll track that from week to week. And where we see that they're doing good, says, what were you doing this week that you ranked so high? Asking the client to repeat behaviors and maintain habits that will keep their ORS score high. 
So we help the clients track it so the therapist can help the clients track how is this helping you. So you're able to mm -hmm. have that conversation. How what you're asking them to do is helping them. Which then would be reinforcing. Yes. So it's like, okay, this week you dipped, you didn't dip, you spiked back up. Yeah. And now it's like, what were you doing? Ah, oh, you were following some of the five domains. So let's right. go back to that because that was helpful. Mm -hmm. And did that feel good? So at the end of every single day, clients should ask themselves or whoever is using the five domains of healthy living should ask themselves, what did I accomplish today? Did you sleep well today? Did you exercise today? Did you go somewhere today? Did you socialize today? What did you accomplish at the end of the day? Okay. Yes. And so to some people, some of the domains are more important than, than others. Okay. And I know that personally, I'm, I'm a runner. And so, and so every day at the end of the day, did I do something physical today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's, that's my domain that I focus on the most. I think everything else is okay, but I'm making sure that I, that I got my exercise in. Remember to write it down. Write it down and, and, and follow it, okay? If you, if you don't do that, the client's not going to do it uh, effectively for a long mm -hmm. time anyway, okay? So you, you want to make this a habit that they're able to uh, incorporate into their, the rest of their lives. Right. And so basically, you're changing a lifestyle. Yeah. You're changing a lifestyle. We work a lot with addictions as well. And mm. so uh, addictions are so hard to break. Okay. They really are. And, and so if you do this five domains, I guarantee you that it'll help uh, break that addiction. And of course, we recommend that therapists, clinicians, and any other kind of health professional should practice implementing the five domains of healthy living in their very own lives. Got to practice what we preach, you know. So when, I, when I've done trainings with other therapists or caseworkers, uh, at the very end of it all, I said, you know, there's no reason why you can't do this yourselves. You know, mm -hmm. I'm teaching you to do it with your clients, but it, wouldn't it be helpful if we do it ourselves? Yeah. And so if you live healthy, then you're modeling for your clients. And yeah. then you see that it works. And so you're more likely to sell it if it's something that you're doing yourself. And some final thoughts from Richard Salcido, Executive Director of Family Service. I, I just want to say that uh, I think all of us came into this profession to help others. And so I think if we're genuine about doing that, will create a better, healthier society. Mm -hmm. And so one person at a time, you know, mm -hmm. just if we help one person at a time, we'll have contributed to the betterment of our community, our society. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much, Mr. Salcido, for the push you gave me to launch my counseling career, and I'll be forever grateful. If you want to find out more about Family Service El Paso or have any questions about their services, you can contact them at 915-781-9900 or you can contact them through my Facebook page or through my website www.mypodtherapist.com. Please follow me and get in touch through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Podbean. You can also send me an email to crystal, that's C-R-I-S-T-A-L, at mypodtherapist.com. Thank you so much for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. Until next time.